Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. Ohio State's ranked second. Good job. Way to go, Bucks. Pete Thamel. I actually think Sean Wade's dad is going to go to New York and protest them not being number one. And SI's Pat Forty. You know what it'll do? It'll do. It will lead to the other college football national pastime, which is complaining and comparing theoreticals. That's what everybody will do. And here's Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. It is Monday, just after noon. The Associated Press released a top 25 poll, boys. Woo! How about that? <laughs> what? What is this nonsense? What? <laughs> <laughs> How many asterisks are in it? Ohio State's ranked second. Good job. Way to go, <laughs> right. Bucks. High point of the season for them. 21 people voted for them first place. They're not playing. <laughs> What? <laughs> I actually think Sean Wade's dad is going to go to New York and protest them not being number one. Um, That'll yeah. be next. He just called the, a press the, conference and 17 people have quoted him. And Randy Wade is Randy Wade is outside the uh, Associated Press offices. Uh, yeah. Wondering why the Buckeyes aren't number one. The traveling I, I, band of Big Ten b- parents is moving on. Yes. To <laughs> AP headquarters. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand. Like, I know this is a time of the year and every four year, everyone should vote. We should value every American's right to vote. Let's vote. Count the votes. Vote for your guy. Whoever your person is, vote for him. I don't care. But why the hell would you vote for Ohio State? <laughs> They're not playing. Makes no sense to me. I am know I going to vote? Whatsoever. Am I going to vote for, I don't know, like Mitt Romney for president or something? Or like... It's not in the election. <laughs> the only thing that is consistent about this is that it's every bit as meaningless as every other preseason poll we've ever done in college football because <laughs> it's all based on speculation. Well, they could have been good. You know somewhere someone's getting a bonus off of this, though. <laughs> There's always a bonus. <laughs> Did UConn get Randy any votes? Randy getting one Did for UConn? not being ranked. Yeah. <laughs> Did UConn get any votes? That's you, Yeah, he might have, like, tried to split the two grand with, like, the guy from the Hartford Current. Like, dude, <laughs> vote us... <laughs> Vote us at 25. You can use my uh you can use my beach house down the Connecticut <laughs> Connecticut Sound. Just saying. And if you don't think those offers don't happen, you're kidding yourself. This thing may okay. I'll read the whole the whole thing. Yeah. Clemson's number one, 38 first place votes. Ohio State got 21. They're in second. Uh Alabama's third. They have two. I don't know where the 21 goes. We need like an electoral college in here. They may be ranked. <laughs> <laughs> Electoral College, <laughs> Red State is number 21, Blue go. State is 23, yeah. Electoral um, College versus College of Cardinals, some point in here. <laughs> yeah. Where's the Electoral College? Uh, Alabama's three, Georgia is four, but they're really three. Oklahoma is five slash four. LSU is six slash five. They got a number one vote. How about that? Seven. Yeah, yeah. LSU got a vote. Florida is eight slash six. Oregon is nine. Uh, Notre Dame is 10 slash seven. Let's see if I can keep this up. I need like an abacus. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Auburn is 11 slash eight. Last week it was all the science classes you didn't take. This week it's all the math classes you didn't take. I'm trying, man. Don't interrupt me while I'm thinking. (laughs) Texas A&M is 13 slash nine. 
Texas is uh, is uh, 14 slash 10. Oklahoma State is 15 slash 11. Michigan is uh, 16 slash 12, but that doesn't count. USC, no, all right, now Michigan we're at 16 six. slash out. SC is 17 out. Okay, North Carolina is 18 slash 12. Minnesota's 19. Cincinnati is 20 slash 13. UCF is 21 slash 14. And still complaining Utah, they're underrated. Utah is in there at 22. So now we're eight. Was I at seven or eight? Eight. Mm-hmm. If I get yep. this right, tw- <laughs> Iowa State is 23 slash 15. Iowa's out, and then Tennessee is uh, 25 slash 16. This is tougher than that thing that Trump had to pass. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I got it right, (laughs) and I ain't saying I'm smarter than him. I'm just saying, (laughs) woman, man, whatever camera, that's try that. Try that. I don't think either presidential candidate can handle that thing. Uh, My biggest complaint on this poll is how isn't Memphis ranked? Like, I, I yeah. they're, 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 they're so much better than some of these teams. The polls are most biased against the non-Power 5 teams every year. It's been that way since, no. like, Boise would go undefeated and have this miraculous season. They'd start the next year 19th. And you'd just be like, or is anyone even paying attention? Like, Memphis returns, obviously. a They have one of the best tailbacks in the country, one of the best receivers in the country. Brady White's there for his, like, seventh year as the starting quarterback after he transferred from Arizona State. I just, like, don't understand that. Now they have a new coach, which means they have a new play caller. Um, and Mike Norvell is great, but like they're they're loaded. I don't get that. The only thing that's a bigger farce than the fact that teams like that don't get ranked is the fact that we have teams ranked who aren't playing. Sorry, I was trying to talk about football. <laughs> <laughs> that, we're actually entering the portion of the podcast again where I get looked down upon by Dan for actually talking. Why don't you talk, talk about no, football? Not, I, I was going to agree with players, you. personnel. Like I just handled the AP poll. Don't try to, you know, don't step on my game right now. I'm still basking in the glory of pulling that off. Uh, I agree with you. Memphis should be ranked higher. That I don't get that one. I, I go back to those old Boise State teams. Like, no one would look at the – they always go, Boise just overachieves. They don't have that much talent. Like, there was one year they had, like, six draft picks, and, like, Kellen Moore wasn't one of them, and he was a great oh, college yeah. quarterback. And, like, and you go – you look at a mock draft, and there'd be, you know, six, seven guys – ready to go for Boise State like that's not talent I don't know Boise's pretty good got to me. plenty of guys in the NFL now and has for the last decade yeah like it looks like some talent they're not yep. just a bunch of you know 180 pound uh potato farming kids <laughs> on that team I'm not really sure <laughs> where you think this operation recruits but it ain't the Snake River Valley no Appalachian State in there so let's see so if we're at 16 and Memphis goes to 17 yeah. Virginia Tech goes to 18. Boise State's not playing. Arizona State's not playing. Miami is 19. Way to go, you. Mm-hmm. You back in the top 20, sort of. Louisville is 20th. App State is playing, right? Yep. Yep. 21. 21. Washington's out. Kentucky's 22. Yep. Indiana, your big chance, sorry. Boom, out. <laughs> Baylor is 23. Cal, nope. TCU is 24, and Virginia is 25. How about that? And Navy, Florida State, SMU, Mississippi State, Air Force, and oh, Northwestern, UAB rounds it out. Here we are. Here we are. Top 25 is now basically like, what, 40% of who's playing? Something close to that? About a third? Here's here's the breakdown. uh, Yeah, yeah, right. No, that's why... 16, I think, is actually perfect because it's 60% of 25, and we've got 60% of the conferences playing. So you may see something to that effect uh, coming at SI.com. You're still standing 16. Uh, Stuart Mandel, a friend at The Athletic, just tweeted out what September 12th would have looked like. We would have number two Ohio State at number nine Oregon, oh. 11 Auburn versus UNC, number 18. Number 14, Texas at number six, LSU. Number 23, Iowa State and 24, Iowa doing that Cyhawk thing. <laughs> Push light bowl. 25, Tennessee, if they hadn't have, haven't uh, been upset early by whatever easy, uh, bye game they had, would have played at number five, Oklahoma. Damn, September 12th was looking good. Yep. That's just, oh. that, that really 
angers me. Instead, we'll get a couple A's. We'll get like four ACC games, I think, that day now. Something like that. Well, nope. I'll take it. Yeah. Hey, it, it would be football if we get there, if we get it. Yeah. I'm excited but, for Miami UAB on that Thursday, September 10th. I'm excited for all of it. Let's be fair. Let me say yeah. that first of all. But, <laughs> like, but no, Miami UAB is yeah. really good. UAB should good be game. in the. UAB was like nine and five last year and got almost everybody back. I don't know. Yeah. So. They're gonna have a salty defense. And uh yeah, don't no don't don't sleep on old Bill Clark. Like, let's put it that way. UAB is like made the daily deposits to earn a little preseason hype the past three three seasons. The old U, yep. like that's a lot of like transfer promise. Maybe this guy, best player on their roster, just scooted Russo, the defensive end. Yep. He obviously had like 15 sacks last year. Classic Drew Rosenhaus, local poach, get him, get him to the league, tuck him away. So I don't know. I'm just after watching the over disaster that was Miami last year, I'm just not ready to like sprinkle some fairy dust on them and, and say they're going to compete for the ACC title. They're getting the recruits. Yes, they're who coming. Haven't, who haven't arrived yet and haven't signed even. Yes, they are verbally Miami's rolling. I thought Kentucky would be better. I thought Kentucky would be ranked higher. Maybe I'm the only one that high on Kentucky. I like Kentucky. Pat, are people excited about no? Kentucky? I thought. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're high on Kentucky. Slam that yeah. plus seven and yeah. a half going into week one against Auburn. Looking tasty. Head to bet MGM. To Where's the game? Me. Where's yeah. the game? Sully, Sully is very bullish on the uh, on the cats. The game is at Auburn, but who cares? But there's no yeah, there's no home field advantage anymore. So that's true. I have to stop asking yeah. that. It doesn't well, there'd be 20,000 fans or something, right? Yeah, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> Everybody keeps downsizing their fans. Uh you know the Kentucky Derby is now down to zero. They were they went from, you know, the usual 150 to well, we think we can do 75. That was in June, I think, or maybe May. And then it's like ah, I still think we can do 50. And then about a month ago, ah, 24. That's what we're gonna go with 24. And then Friday, uh, we will have no fans. Do you remember the story I, uh, out of Italy from early in the pandemic that they thought the super spreading event in northern Italy was a soccer game? Yeah, yeah. That just scares me. Like, I think about that every time I see one of these, like, we're at this percent, we're at this percent, we're going to do this every time. I just think about that. Like, oh, my God. Like, just don't <laughs> let that happen. You know, like, right. don't don't let the whatever game. Because not only is it the stands, and the, obviously stands were packed at that soccer game. They're not going to be packed here. But it's the bars. And the place is, like, allowing tailgating. That's insane to me. See, oh, I yeah. disagree. I think you can spread out. Yeah. Oh yeah, we talked. Didn't we talk about this yeah, last we did. Yeah, I, we did. I don't think the tailgates that big. I I agree with the the packed stadium is ridiculous, and those soccer teams sing the whole game. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Fans, so it's like yeah. a, it's like a choir practice with eighty thousand. Yeah. Not a good idea. Yeah, there's a lot of aerosol being admitted from those. People. Yeah, you yeah. do not want choir. Not much different though than AM and their fake army. <laughs> no, it's not. Well, you spread them out. I don't know. I, I I probably would just not even try because uh, it's like a. If I was running an athletic department, it just seems like an immense amount of effort for a small crowd. But I don't know. I guess as people want to pay to see it. I don't I do not think the tailgate is going to be that big of a deal. I think it's going to be a lot like when people it sounds bad when everyone goes to the beach. But if you go to the beach, you see everyone's kind of spread out. Yeah, um, that's just my take. You're not going to see me at the maybe I, 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 the closest game to me is like Notre Dame. I don't mm -hmm. know if they're going to make it. I really think Notre Dame to me is going to be really interesting. I think one thing that we've seen and one thing we were all told back in the spring was like, if there aren't students on campus, there's no way, right? Oh, yeah. Among those who said that was Notre Dame's athletic director, by the way. Right. A lot of people said that, too. And he said it out loud. A lot of these yeah. is a lot of athletic directors and campus leaders and, and conference people that were hiding. They don't want to say the truth. Right. And. Then it was, well, maybe we could. Now it's like maybe we could do it, right? And, and but I wonder what Notre Dame does because uh, they're having some upticks, which again I think is I think a lot of this stuff is is a I, and I'm not want to speak directly to Notre Dame because I don't know, but I think there's a bait and switch move here by these uh, by these schools, and oh, we no take doubt. all your money, and then we blame having to shut down based on your behavior. Which is, of course, entirely predictable behavior. Sure. sure. So it's it, it's like, well, we had to shut down because you 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 guys, you students, wouldn't stop partying. And to me, that's not a. I mean, that's a plan, but that plan had no. If if the 
if the, the bar to shut down was some number of students getting it, that wasn't going to work. So you get to Notre Dame. I, the, the service academies, three service academies, Stanford and Notre Dame to me, try harder, certainly service academies, but Notre Dame and Stanford too, try hardest to have their players be regular students. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not, I'm not painting this thing in a golden dome, but you have to live in a dorm. You have to take real class. Like they do as good of a job as you can possibly do. A lot of other places just pretend. So if you're Notre Dame, do you quit sooner because you're, uh, you know, if they shut down the dorms, you're out? Or do you build off the goodwill of, you sort of have some built up goodwill of like, hey, we really try, but for this year only, team's going to a hotel. Or we're going to isolate, the, we're going to create a, so, or do you think Notre Dame just quits first? Because if you're honest, this isn't going to work if you're putting kids in a dorm. And if they shut the dorms down, you probably shouldn't have a football team. At least on that, if that's your thinking, you got to shut it down. Or does Notre Dame say, yeah, we're going to be completely hypocritical here, but consider all the goodwill we've done. We try the hardest. Let's play. What do you think? Great question. And yeah, that's their thing. Like their freshmen, not everybody lives in dorms, but their freshmen all do and they all have roommates who are not football players. And that's where you're all of a sudden you you cannot bubble that. What's Brooks' term? Narp, narps, Thank non-athletic you. regular people. Yeah, I love that. So term. can't get enough. Yeah. Narps. Sorry to cut you off. I just <laughs> no, that's all right. Yes. Yeah. So every Notre Dame freshman football player lives with a narp, and the narps have been the bigger problem so far. They've had some, some positive <laughs> tests on on the football team, but uh, so yeah, you have to fundamentally alter your approach to save. Football and what do they do? They want to do that. It's a great question. I, you know, I'm. I'll say this much. Everything Notre Dame has showed me so far is they really want to play football, because they could have shut down the whole campus. They decided not to, and maybe that was a whole campus decision. But they they stopped football practice for two or three days. But they were back at it Saturday. There are no classes in on in person on campus. There is no extracurricular activities for students. There's no student organizations meeting. None of that. But there is football practice, and that tells me they really want to play. And I think they would make whatever adjustments they feel like they could passively get by the faculty and some concerned alums. Some other concerned alums would be like, hell yeah, go for it. So Friday, Saturday, you know, people were texting, calling, what's going to happen at Notre Dame? What's going to happen at Notre Dame? So I made a few calls over the weekend about Notre Dame just to see what the appetite there was and the appetite of the ACC. If we had to pick the least likely of the three conferences remaining to have an appetite to push through some bad optics, it would be the ACC. It wouldn't even be close. Like the Big 12, quite frankly, has been even more bullish on playing, I think, than the SEC, which has been fairly bullish. And just by reputation and, quite frankly, by geographic political affiliation, those leagues you would think would be most dead set on playing. Well, the ACC ain't slowing down. Like uh, that, that was made very clear to me when I made some phone calls this weekend. Like this little blip in Raleigh and in Chapel Hill and in South Bend, it is optics are not going to shut down this college football season. That's probably the biggest takeaway I had from my, my calls this weekend, which, by the way, was just like a gloriously quiet news weekend. Like there was just like <laughs> the, the like the the D1 ticker that I think we all read every day, which does a great job bringing you through the headlines. It read like a college, uh, a college, local college police scanner it was like. Party at Holy Cross. They shut down at Holy Cross. Like, you know, students gathering on the quad at Syracuse and they're shut down there. Like that's that was the accumulation of, quote unquote, news for uh, for this weekend. But like the ACC is finally showing it's a football league. Remember, remember in New York, they used to have that joke about being a true Yankee. Like, was A-Rod a true Yankee? Well, like the ACC showing it's a true conference by just plowing through these optics and acting like uh, acting like their other brethren. This is what I wrote last Thursday on that subject. Is the ACC might be going from, from the SEC and Big 12 sidekick in the Big Three Leagues to the most willing to push forward towards kickoff. The Clemsonization of the conference may be complete. Tim Beret didn't appreciate that line. Uh, our friend Tim Beret is the was a longtime excellent SID at uh, Clemson and uh, a great guy. Love him, but he took exception to that. He doesn't like any form of Clemson as a verb. He didn't like Clemsoning back when that was a term, and he oh, did not yeah. like Clemsonization. But my point was exactly what you said, Pete. That this is now a league that's thinking very aggressively about football, and it's not been that league in the past. 
Yeah, no more SEC light. It was interesting to pick up the uh, the Boston Globe on Sunday and like the banner headline across the front is a column by Dan Shaughnessy. And it was like, BC should not play this fall. And it went through the list, like all the all the reasons. And it, it wasn't like the greatest column in the world, but it was just like an interesting like that was like the lone cry for the like shutdown compared to like the actual tenor within the league, which was like, let's you know, let's let's forge ahead. So what was your thought on Notre Dame? Are they the first to pull or do they they're all in? They seem all in, Dan. You know, like it'll be interesting. Like this has not shaken Notre Dame. Let's put it that way. They obviously went on pause and did the right things. And I don't want to say they're being cavalier, but you would have thought the campus shutting, you know, two months ago, we would have sat here and said, oh, if they have an outbreak and the campus shuts down, forget about it. They're done. And that just hasn't happened. That's just not the case. And so when you look back like at, the columns that were written with some gloom and doom tied to them, they were tied to like the set of facts where we all assumed what the, you know, Bob Bowlesby and the Jack Swarbrick said out loud, which was if there's no students on campus, because look, UNC and NC State are not going to be the only the only colleges that shut down because of partying, you know, like it's just not that's just there are going to be many, many others. I would say dozens of others. And I would even I would set the over under at hundreds. Would you guys disagree with that? Uh, no, national nationwide. Yeah. No. Like not just uh, in football playing schools, but in colleges right, right. and universities. Like I would just think yeah. there's going to be, a, I mean, you know, yeah, there's and, already, there's been many, many, many already. Yeah. yeah. I, I do agree with what Dan said earlier too. the, like the dichotomy of like the poor plans to bring the students back. And like UNC didn't have everybody test. Like many schools had Notre Dame did. I know Syracuse did. And then, and then everybody finger pointing at them. And it's like, no, you're the administrators trying to make a couple billion bucks here because College sports are small business compared to higher ed. I mean, colleges are America's biggest slumlords, right? And that's where they make all their money. So to bring them back with a terrible plan and then point a finger at them when they are acting in what would in normal circumstances be considered uh, typical college behavior, I just think is like a hilarious amount of hypocrisy by these schools. Yeah. Again, uh, what is what is the what is the standard? And I get no one wants to give it out because you get yeah, locked in, right? Don't want to be held to it. Yeah. But I certainly think Notre Dame is the is kind of a tipping point. And, and I think if they don't, a lot of people are going to go uh, just because of the way they value this in 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 that runs counter to to others. All right. So we never got to this. We meant to last week. But this this Big Ten plan to start playing as early as January now. We talked. This is actually I'm obviously would prefer a full regular season. However, this possibility if that thing actually played, let's say they play January through March, we could be sitting at like six months of football here. Yeah, <laughs> right. like continuous uh, college football. I ain't saying I prefer it, but you know, I, I mean. We also could be getting zero football for the next six months. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> yeah. maybe we get six months. Kind of interesting. So someone described to me this plan. I think, Pete, you know it fairly well. But, I mean, it involves, like, renting domes, the NFL domes. We we certainly know, like, the T- Detroit Lions are not going to, you know, they haven't hosted a playoff game in 28 years or something <laughs> like that. They're probably, they're probably available. Uh, Ford Field's probably available in January. But I mean, it adds all sorts of things. Is this is this a, just a, a gimmick to sign recruits in December? Why the heck is football safer in January indoors, albeit in a big dome, than outdoors in September? Uh, the, the, I mean, even the the virus almost deniers agree it'll probably get worse in the winter, which I think common sense wise, obviously, even a scientist like myself, uh, <laughs> before my. Before my extensive training, I would rely on common sense, but that seemed to apply to common sense. <laughs> like, what is this thing? What, are you going to play in January? Is this real? Or is this just, yeah, we're totally going to have full classes and everything. Give me your money. I, I, I don't. Here's the thought on that. Like, I, I, I hate to disagree with respected, world-renowned, self-proclaimed epidemiologist Dan Wetzel, but I'm going to. I think that if daily testing is available starting in November, December, as it's expected to be, college football becomes exponentially safer because you are testing every single person who goes into your facility every single day. Um, like right now, like North Carolina has this huge outbreak and then they make an announcement and then Mac Brown's like, yeah, we're going to test once a week. It's like, well, 
that's probably not going to work, right? I mean, after after talking to those NFL guys last week, I'm really convinced that daily testing is the key to pushing this forward as safe as possible. And if you can have daily testing for a December training camp and then kick off on January 1st, hey, why not just play in the Rose Bowl on January 1st, right? Why not Ohio State and Michigan play in the Rose Bowl on uh, Friday night or Thursday night uh, to, to kind of give some juice to this unusual season? Like, go and... Go and be creative. Uh, at that point, we're going to have a ton of empirical data of colleges playing likely, ton of empirical data on the NFL playing. And you would think even though there's a chance of a, you know, the flu season like uptick per se in the virus, the better testing protocols that should be available at that time make it reasonable. So I'm again, I would love to have everybody playing in the fall with fans and everything be back to normal. We, we know that's not going to happen. So if these leagues made a decision and they can't reverse it because of like ridiculous liability situations. So if they're going to play like, yeah, go play in these domes, play, play on Thursday night, play on Friday night, like stay away from the NFL playoffs, like build buzz, be creative with your TV partners. Like, they, like people are saying it's impossible. I, I don't agree with it. I think it worked. Yeah, I mean, I, it's really intriguing. Uh, the the uh, the winter virus numbers absolutely should be a concern. You know, I think one of the things that that they're looking at here to to mitigate their team surrounding is you're going to bring them back to campus uh, in December, and campus is going to be empty, and you're going to get that coveted bubble sort of uh, training ground, and then you're going to go to these what you hope will be relatively secure indoor sites and you may play double headers which i i had heard some talk about that you know penn state rutgers maryland are playing in the carrier dome uh ohio state michigan michigan state are playing in ford field uh, and wouldn't it be something to have michigan and ohio state like sharing a, a dome or a state indoor stadium for a weekend you know and then you get uh, miller you could use miller park you could use uh minnesota's stadium there's talk about using St. Louis. I mean, there, there's some places out there. It's it's weird. It's odd. There's going to be risks and probably problems involved, but there are risks and problems involved with all these scenarios. There's no good scenario. So, And I think one of the reasons, first of all, Ohio State is really excited about this plan because they think their best players will play. They think Justin Fields and Sean Wade and some of those guys will not opt out because the NFL is willing to move their calendar to kind of make a winter season work with them. They may not be so willing with a spring season. So it's uh, it's intriguing. Uh, again, I, I don't know whether that plane ever gets off the ground, but I, I, I kind of like at least the, the thought process about it. Well, I mean, I love the idea. I'm just, I'm just, so if, if, if the daily testing comes, I agree. I think we've been talking about the daily testing the sooner that thing arrives, and I don't know. I mean, I was told this thing could be operable this week. Doesn't seem like it. So hopefully soon it does change the game. Any kind of bubble seems to work. Uh, I know there was a big issue with false positives in the NFL this weekend. And uh, there was one lab in, in New Jersey that spit back like 77 or 83 positive tests. And then it was deemed, you know, false. And so they, they were able to get over it. And there's a panic that, you know, what happens if there's a false positive? right before a game and you blow the game and all that we in Matthew Stafford of the lions, Detroit lions had that and all that. But I thought the, 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 the missed bit of this is what I keep saying. There were only three NFL players on the COVID IR list right now yeah. out of 2,600 football players. Uh, now they're just started full contact, but this it's not the NHL bubble or the NBA bubble or the MLS bubble or any of those that are working phenomenal. But, man, is this thing, like, they're getting this done. And so if you add a layer of testing, maybe you can do it. I just, uh, I, I think this whole bit would be pretty cool. I think when you take fans out of it, you could do all sorts of things like Friday nights. Yeah, you know, Friday night football in January and February. Be pretty cool. Like you said, there's, uh, there's Indianapolis, Detroit, U.S. Bank up in Minneapolis. St. Louis has that old dome. Yep, with uh, nobody in the it. The Rams. And then Miller Park in Milwaukee. So you have five in the area. Someone even mentioned playing on campus at Syracuse, potentially. Yeah. Oh, the uh, old Carrier Dome. It's revamped. Carrier Dome year. getting rented yeah. out. Yeah. But if you have five, you can play. You could easily play 10 games a weekend. Oh, yeah. Um, but you could play Saturday, Sunday. I mean, once you get into February, the Super Bowl's over. 
I mean, look at the <laughs> XFL ratings. Yeah, they were they were great just because people wanted football for that little window pre-pandemic. Like the Big Ten ratings would crush. And again, it's not the same. It would never be the same. They're not going to have the postseason. But I think I don't know the, when uh, TV was initially poo-pooing the the spring. They were like, well, they have NBA windows and NHL windows. I mean, these games would blow those numbers out of the water. Blow yeah, and those seasons aren't likely to start until they're talking. Yeah. You know, the NBA and the NHL have almost no plans right now for 2021. They're, they're trying to figure right. stuff out, but they are, they are, you know, white knuckling through what they got going now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when they get done with that, if they start by February, uh, I think that would be, you know, be amazing if they want to try to reconstruct this. They're going to take a big, deep exhale at the end of this uh, yep. as well. They should. And, and in fairness, how do you send players back into a bubble? How long can you keep a yeah. bubble? Yeah. Know, dudes are going to be in this bubble for three something months. Yeah. Um, no, you yeah, know, yeah. it's a lot of money, but it's like at that point, it, you, do you go storming back to the bubble to play regular season games? Like mm. if I'm LeBron, uh, <laughs> no. you know, no. yeah. right. well, Brad Stevens I mean, that, is like one of the least outspoken guys in the NBA, like very calculating, sort of uh, defiantly boring. And even he said in the Boston Globe this weekend, if you know, whatever the schedule is, they need to schedule people's family with people's families in mind. That was like, right. yeah. so for Brad Stevens to just say that he was basically like, look, man, we can't go three months without seeing our families. That's just ridiculous. And, and, and I do think that there will be some empathy towards that notion. You know, the other thing too, though, from like from a TV standpoint is college basketball games that are, you know, heavily populating that Fox and, uh, and ESPN airwaves at that time. Those rate almost nothing in January and February. College football games would would do really good ratings compared to those. So I guarantee that the network partners, I've been told this, like really like the Big Ten's plan just from their own purposes. Yeah, and it's not a coincidence that Ohio State and Penn State are leading the charge on this because they have all the the most of the high end players in the league. So yeah, like right? their own their own self interest is driving this. And again, let's let's hope that we have games. You know. Like we are flush from now until the playoff, right? But if we are not, imagine like covering the playoff and you're like in a city and you're watching the Big Ten play a game on like a Friday night. <laughs> watching a game. Big like, Ten regular season game, yeah. But I mean, that's that you hear again that just the bizarre piecemeal fashion of this season. Why do we have a top twenty-five? How can we have a playoff with forty percent of the conferences not involved, including you know? It's just. It, it, how do you do bowl games? It, it, it is all so fractured. It's impossible to figure out, you know, I, it, you, you know what it'll do? It'll do. It will lead to the other college football national pastime, which is complaining and comparing theoreticals. That's what everybody will do. <laughs> I just checked this uh, last year's Duke, North Carolina basketball game. Well, I have to mm-hmm. say two of them, but I'm just guessing that's the highest rated game. Maybe it wasn't, but whatever. Close. Probably was. Yep. Had the same television rating as the Michigan State Wake Forest Pinstripe Bowl. <laughs> there you go. So, which was played at 3:20 in the afternoon, not <laughs> eight o'clock. Yeah. So, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, like I said at the beginning of this this topic, like this isn't great. Nothing's great about the pandemic, but if we end up with January, February, March, getting to watch Big Ten football, and you're the only show in town. Yeah. Well, maybe there's Pac-12 football, too, and you're getting Pac-12 after dark, you know, after play, after NFL playoff games. Hey. Or everybody goes to it and just says, you know, yeah, we're not. And I get it. Some of these guys are going to bail. I totally get it. But we're still getting the games. And the idea of, uh, you know, being able to play at different times, you can play weeknights. I mean, you can play sure. anything you want. It's it's there's no fans. You don't have to. You can't have like you can, but it's very. It's uh, universities are loath to, especially ones like Michigan and Ohio State, to say let's ha- bring a hundred and ten thousand people on our campus on a Thursday. Sure, like, you have to shut the school down basically for a day or two. That's why most of those Thursday night games are smaller leagues or city schools or something like that, if you ever really notice. And the fans don't want to do it. There's so many fans that drive five, six hours to go to a football game. They don't want to do it on yeah. a work day, and they, they don't even like Saturday night games. But if you're not bringing fans in or you're only having 20,000 or you're playing this thing in an empty uh, you know, U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis, hey, you know Thursday night's fine. And every kid's doing online schooling. 
Let's do it. So maybe there's something good here. At the end of this thing, the Big Ten could be visionaries. It might be. And that's, you know, that I, I know this. The Big Ten office was, I'm not 100% sure their enthusiasm for this idea was genuine or if it was A, placate Ohio State, which had been complaining like crazy, and B, change the subject. But I think anything that changes the subject from their mishandling of, of that, of a, of, to me, a, a justifiable postponement, uh, I think they were going to get behind. Yeah, I think it was changed the subject. <laughs> that was, yeah. that was, that was, that's pretty much where the, the enthusiasm is like, stop becoming a national punching bag. Like, let's, <laughs> let's move on to, let's move on to something. Uh, let's move on to something else. So the big, the Big Ten player rally or parent rally. Oh, my favorite thing. Not. Not hugely attended. <laughs> Stunning. I am so surprised that all these parents spread all across the Midwest, some from the South, some from the Northeast, didn't drop everything in their work week and fly to Chicago to stand in front of an empty building. I am so surprised. Yeah, this had this had a lot of issues. The Big Ten headquarters is not there. No one in it. So that's. <laughs> I'm not sure what your protest. This is kind of like voting for Penn State at number seven there. I don't know. Um, a, a, B, there, I see no one in the picture wearing Northwestern garb. I mean, yeah, located there's a right lot there. of players, parents from Chicago land. <laughs> yeah. It's one thing to fly up from Florida, but, you know, you live in Bolingbrook. <laughs> you ought to be able to make it over. Do, do you remember during the uh, the Zach Smith fiasco at Ohio State during that August when there was like a a protest to keep Urban Meyer and they're like oh, yeah. there was like there was like more media than there were protesters yes. and then the protesters yeah, yeah. saw the media and they like ran. <laughs> That's a it was that one history. guy screaming. It was the media's fault. Yeah, wasn't it? Yes, yes. it always it's is all Brett fault. McMurphy's fault that this guy kept. Yeah. Oh yeah. Getting right. into it with his wife, like. Eh. Mm -hmm. um, well, I guess I guess Randy Wade is going to do an Ohio State protest on campus on Saturday. Have you seen that? That's that was that was the latest <laughs> I saw that on on Twitter. So it has to be true. Um, <laughs> that is that there is a an on campus rally being bandied about as a uh, as a as a potential uh, as a potential thing this uh, this weekend. So Saturday, this is Randy Wade. Saturday is a protest point blank period we want alumni fans old and current players in attendance peaceful but full of people that understand we are not giving up we are here to fight for our young men and the rest of the student athletes i, mean, I hope the big 10 football protests wouldn't get violent i mean <laughs> <laughs> well this is just the ohio state one to well, protest okay, the, the ohio state yeah. i would hope not i, would hope I mean not i'm all, i mean really we should never get violent in our protests, but I understand sometimes tensions <laughs> boil over and things happen and you got to make people. I mean, this is as protests go. It's like the seventh graders like storming out because they, they got rid of the ice cream machine in the calf. Like, uh, yeah, this is nonviolent. <laughs> How long are we going to keep fighting a losing fight here? Like, is Al Gore going to still protest the Florida recount like, <laughs> next week? This decision was made August 11th, and he wants to protest Saturday, which would be August the, what, third, 29th or something? I, I, I mean, like, we're going to really do two and a half weeks. We're still just going to keep protesting this. What are you doing? Find a hobby. Get over it. It's over. I mean, and here's the other thing. Okay. Now, do we have to have mommy and daddy there? If the players who are not practicing, and most of them aren't even yet in class, if they want to protest, get on out there. I don't want to hear from mom and dad anymore. These guys are gone off to college to supposedly mature into adults. And we got mommy and daddy showing up all over the place to, in, a, in front of an empty building to say, my kid needs to play football. Are you kidding me? Are you <laughs> kidding me? It's, I, I just it, I am flabbergasted by this. <laughs> I can't follow that up, Dan. You can go ahead. I, 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 I can't I can't match that. Sorry. <laughs> I look again I I have no I really have very little sympathy I understand the frustration but in yeah. all that is going on in this country and around the world yeah getting a free year of extra college 
I just, I cannot yeah. get outraged. Now, if they were saying you're done, you're out. But yeah. look, there are kids that work to go to school. Okay. You have to work while you're going to school. And so it, that's football. But there's a lot of kids on your campus that, that have jobs. I was someone who had to work through school, right? You lose that job. There are RAs and, 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 and things like that that were counting on free living to yeah. monitor the dorms. They have lost their free living. And now college is completely unaffordable. There are people that are trying to get through college as quickly as possible so they can get home and help their family because carrying debt is impossible or they need it. There are so many kids on these campuses that are not the ones that are just, I know, you know, look, there's a lot of these upper middle class kids that are just partying and all that. There's a lot of kids at these schools that are trying to do something and get through and they've got a lot of pressure on them and they have lost their jobs and their living quarters and their entire plan. I'm not going to feel bad for someone saying, Hey, you guys get an extra year of free college. Yeah. Okay. No. Chill out, lift some weights, do your thing. You'll be back next year. It's just not a tragedy. I, I, I understand the frustration, but this is, I mean, there's high school seasons getting, it's just, who cares? It's sports. Like, I, I feel bad for the kid that's like, the only way I can afford to attend, you know, Northwestern or 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 Stanford is to be an RA, right? Mm -hmm. The yep. only way, because if I can't live in that dorm for free, I now have to rent an apartment in, in, in Northern California that is, how much is an apartment, one bedroom, what, oh. what is it going per bedroom, Pat? You probably one, would know what two I, bedrooms I, for what three I'm, grand? I'm painfully aware. One point four well, how much million. For a month, no, a month uh, for two bedroom right, apartment. So since we, since we have, have watched my daughter try to navigate this very thing in the last few weeks, uh, four bedrooms, five thousand dollars a month. Uh, wow, right. three. So you three pretty much got a. You're four, a kid who has to, to come up. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna have to come up with twelve hundred, fifteen hundred dollars a month in rent, and more with all you know. Those are the kids I feel bad for. Now, yeah. I don't that's how it works, but to get a free an extra year of free, would they take that? Yeah, I think they sure. I think those RAs would. So there's a lot of people struggling out as, you know, these these keep protesting. We all have the right to protest. This is America, but uh not really sure it's going very far for you. The Al Gore protest, it's coming back, man. <laughs> uh all right, I I need to uh, update us on a pressing story. Oh. Uh, this comes from uh, Zelon Solomon, uh, listener and uh, alert listener, I would say. Mm -hmm. He uh, okay. sent me this over Twitter. We, I said we love our engaged listeners who who know yes, exactly what listener. our wheelhouse is. That they they're our favorite <laughs> listeners are the ones who uh, are the ones who allow us to be lazy and just let them do the work to find us the news <laughs> of the weird. <laughs> they're our research well, assistants. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know how we said that we believe the Guntown kangaroo was alive and oh, was yeah. found in topping down a street in Fort Lauderdale. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, maybe that isn't him. What? Or her. Come we on. didn't do the DNA test? <laughs> that we sent it to a lab in New Jersey with yeah. NFL tests and <laughs> came back saying it was a ferret. I don't know. <laughs> if we see the gun tattoo in Lane Kiffin at FAU... <laughs> Like you know, in his beach house in Boca, in, in, in the same place. I mean, is it a coincidence that he was in Mississippi and then he was down in South Florida? And those are the last two places Lane's been. I don't know. Just, just, just saying pet, out loud. Pet kangaroo. All right. Well, let's just say, according here, reading the Baton Rouge Advocate, the Advocate, which actually now no longer, it's all of uh, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, whole statewide. The Advocate, terrific uh, publication down there in uh, Louisiana. Uh, photos have emerged of a kangaroo who joined a yoga class <laughs> oh. in okay. uh, East Felici, uh, Feliciana Parish. Okay. I don't speak Louisiana, so I probably got that wrong. Um, Is there a an yoga class. Go Tigers. Uh, <laughs> the kangaroo. There's pictures. There's a kangaroo. He's or she. I don't know. Uh, kind of. Doing yoga poses. There's all these <laughs> these yoga moms and yoga women there. Like they're doing their they're got their little mats. They're all outside. Yeah. Doing uh quite a story. Um, so you know, it's a lot closer 
to Gun from Town. Gun Town to Baton Rouge, then yeah. Fort Lauderdale. Also, this kangaroo is probably quite stressed <laughs> and might need the yoga to kind of clear its mind. Uh, escaping Gun Town. So, uh, Pete, is this the kangaroo? Is this really the Gun Town kangaroo? Well, as you're the, a yoga guy. As the resident yoga expert by default, um, <laughs> although I will say Sully's girlfriend's a yoga instructor, so he probably knows more than me at this point. You know, yoga is really great. Uh, hip hip stress reliever, right? If you have tight hips, you do your yoga. Well, think about a kangaroo and the bouncing posture. How much pressure is on the... If you bounce from Guntown, Mississippi to Baton Rouge, do you imagine how messed up your hips are going to be? So clearly, the kangaroo's going to go get in some child's pose, do a little pigeon pose, half pigeon pose, and get those hips stretched out, man. They've got to be taxed. <laughs> I think I think they're all the same kangaroo, you know, <laughs> I think he he went to Fort Lauderdale. He got his vacation in and now he probably hopped a ferry across the Gulf Coast, maybe even like an oil tanker or something. And uh, landed there at uh, the port of New Orleans and worked his way to Baton Rouge. I, I don't think it's out of the question. Look, our guy don't don't underestimate the Guntown kangaroo. He can be in a lot of different places. He's probably got sports writer type uh, Marriott points and flyer miles. Mm. Dude can get around. It's the same one. All three places. All right. Uh, I know we got some storms coming to Louisiana, so be yeah. safe down there. Yeah. Houston to that whole, that whole coastline. Yeah. Not going. Yeah. Houston, all of that. Um, so I do want to mention that. Also, a lot of uh, terrible fires out in California. Oof. Brutal. So that's not good. Uh, however, I will say this. Uh, this is uh, kind of related to the fires. I'm not sure we should really be making any light of this, but it's interesting. Last Wednesday morning, this is according to the San Jose Mercury News. Chad Little and his family were having a harrowing time. The LNU lightning complex fires raged around him, but he was able to keep uh, the flames at bay from his house. The fire was coming close to his house. By spraying cans of Bud Light. Budweiser <laughs> presents Real Men of Genius. Real Men of Genius. Wow. Little said, little, hey, this is the Mercury News. This must be true. This must be true. <laughs> it's a semi-reputable publication. Yeah. For me. Little said he and his family had anticipated the fire reaching their property off Pleasance Valley Road and had already begun packing things up. When the fire arrived, Little told his family he wasn't leaving. Okay, right then, don't do that. Go. Yeah, <laughs> People, right. yeah. leave. You're not going to outpower a forest fire. That's... I have two family members who have been, uh, both my, my niece and my nephew were wildfire firefighters in, in the West, mm. out West, oh, wow. both from Colorado. And uh, that is not something you want to trifle Ooh. with. No. It is a big problem. So, but anyway... I had a lot of friends and family trying to fight with me to get me to leave, but I wasn't going to do it. The lease said he's going to protect his property because he lost the home five years prior and then rebuilt. Oh, although that was a fire in an attic due to a fan. No. So not a forest fire. I was going to say maybe find a new place. Um, <laughs> I spent five years getting to this point. I'm not going to start over from ground one. Oh, he was using fire hoses and fire hydrants, but then the water got shut off. Okay, that's not good. Then I got scared. I was kind of an eye opening that I could be in trouble. He kept raking and shoveling until half buckets of water to defend the fire, but it wasn't much. That's when he grabbed the largest source of liquid he could find in his house. <laughs> a 30 pack of Bud Light. I mean, probably a little warm. You don't want to drink it. At that point, the fire would have heated up. Quote, that was the only thing that I had a lot of, and it was wet. Luckily, <laughs> Can't Luckily argue that I, had, I had a bunch of cases of Bud Light, and I was able to get it out. See that? <laughs> I grabbed the cans of beer, ran down there. I was shaking them up and then opening them, but it was just dispersing too quickly. He then took a nail. He found a nail sticking out of a piece of sheet metal, and he used it to puncture holes in the can. Budweiser presents when I, Shot guy is an American. Shotgun. When I saw that nail, I would just puncture a hole and shake it as I was going, and I could aim it and concentrate on the bad parts of the fire. 
<laughs> Finally, a fire truck came and little sigh, had a sigh of relief. Oh, my goodness. He fought a forest fire off <laughs> with Bud Light. <laughs> he may be the podcast hero of the year. Like, I, I know... <laughs> He found the one good use for Bud Light. I got to give him credit. <laughs> I was Very impressive. Uh, wasn't Bush Light. They wouldn't want to waste the Bush Light. <laughs> no. I'll lose the house. <laughs> he needed the Natty Light 77 pack, but, you know, 30 pack will work. And there is a picture of all these empty cans of beer <laughs> and, a <laughs> and a half burned shed. <laughs> What? Oh, uh, my gosh. If this story is true, I mean, <laughs> this is the biggest. <laughs> it's the greatest triumph for the beer industry in a long time. I mean, it's, it's Bud, big. Bud Light needs to send this guy <laughs> yeah. an absolute arsenal. Of Bud, I mean, uh, I want a Bud Super Light Bowl real commercial. Yes. Yes. Real man. Yes. 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 This guy, this guy's it. He is the real man. Oh. Shot it at. It's, it's nuts. I, I don't believe it's true, but it's not even like this is a pretty good source. There were quotes. Yeah. Right. Nick Stastanovich of the uh, of the Mercury News would not make this up. So he would not. And there were pictures. That's unbelievable. Uh, so, <laughs> hey, I know how your week's going, but it ain't <laughs> yeah. as harrowing as that. Plus, at the end, he had no beer. I mean, um, at the end of that job, like you want to have a beer when you're done yeah. mowing the lawn. Yeah. <laughs> you really want a beer when you're done saving your house from a forest fire. Chad oh, Little, baby. That's yeah. I'm going to maybe I'll advise my my daughter and her friends since they're not terribly far away from there to just stock up on cases of Bud Light in case, you know, if they got to fend off the fire. <laughs> there you go. Bud Light and a nail. Pat, you, where's Stop your joke, fire. Pat? You should have said Bud Light tastes so bad that it turned a forest fire was like, screw it. <laughs> <laughs> We'd rather just go burn another house down <laughs> than drink this thing. Anyway, congratulations to Chad Little. Yeah. Uh, they should put him in the AP Top 25. All right. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to our podcast. We'll be back Thursday as uh, more updates go down. We'll see where we're at by then. Please re- give us nice reviews. Share us on social media. Tell your friends. We will talk to you later this week. I'm Mike Lizikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. We're the hosts of Skullduggery, a podcast that not only breaks down the news, but also breaks news. We deliver authoritative analysis while drawing intriguing historical parallels from our decades of covering D.C. scandals. With our current focus on the president and his administration's handling of the coronavirus, to the 2020 elections, we interview those helping to shape the stories. So subscribe to and download Skullduggery wherever you listen to your podcasts and be sure to follow us on social media at Skullduggery Pod.